everybody. It is February the 16th, 2023. This is Financial Rebellion. We have Carolyn Betts here on screen with myself and Catherine Austin Fitz is here as well, but she is on the road in a secret location. Well, I don't know if it's secret. <laughs> Catherine will decide if it's secret or not. Um, well, now, ladies, what a title that we have this week on Financial Rebellion. Most unlike us. Let's talk about it. Uh, Catherine, you want to go up first? Let's, should we talk about... Yeah, so- I'll tell you when this conversation started. When I was trying to engineer eligibility to build computer learning centers in, uh, in residential housing, uh, during the nineties, my, the head of IT, all the IT guys went off and they had a little conversation. They're trying to get up the nerve to tell me something. And they came back in and they said, look, this comes down to one thing. If you want to be successful, will the people who start and operate the community learning centers get laid? Or will the drug dealers get laid? Because that's the competition here. It's the guys who build up the neighborhood versus the guys who, you know, are basically harvesting the neighborhood with drugs. And so, can you hear me? We can hear you. We can hear you absolutely fine. Please don't go and leave Carolyn and I on this conversation. (laughs) You have to finish the story. Oh, no, that's typical, isn't it? (laughs) Catherine, can you hear us? Um, well, do you know that story, Carolyn? I don't know the complete story. I will, I will say that this involved subsidized housing in Washington, D.C. And we were working as an advisor for the Federal Housing Administration and there was a program for bringing computer centers into the subsidized housing as a way for people who are poor to have jobs at the, where they live and actually perform services for the federal government because we had we had computer services that uh, we were performing for the government. So it was a win-win. And Catherine's talking about, uh, you know, about who gets laid is, is how, how it happens. But I don't know. I don't know the. the we're talking f- about, and my microphone's broken as well right now. So we're having a wonderful live show, are we not? <laughs> um, Catherine, can you hear us? Okay. So maybe you want to take her out and try and bring her back in again. And, Ka- and Carolyn and I will. Get through this show. Um, I will tell you, though, that the, the link to the Wikipedia that uh, entry on Lizzie Strata is uh, there's a Greek play that my high school, girls' high school, put on, and I didn't even know what it was about. But it's about uh, Greek women withholding sexual favors from from the men who were who were creating war and they wanted peace and so they were using their sexual wiles to uh change the men's minds now we have a graphic uh of uh what's this person called Lys strata lysistrata it's a greek play an old you know ancient greek play an extraordinary account of a woman's mission to end war by denying all the men of the land any sex we do have a, but Sawyer's, I think, trying to sort Catherine out. So, so we are winging this. <laughs> we are winging this. Sawyer is in. Um, oh, here she comes. I'm back. You're back. Well, thank you for leaving us. We, I think we did an okay job, but do finish your story. So where where did I drop off? You dropped off and I explained the, the neighbor, the, the networks program in the subsidized yeah. housing, but we also anyway, talked so, about Liz's the idea was basically the winner would be the group that got the girls, right? And it brought 
brought to mind the Lysistrata story once upon a time when, um, you know, it's the Greek play when the women decide they're going to stop the wars during the Peloponnesian Wars. And so all the wives in the two on both sides get together and they basically say no sex for any of the men until they get together and negotiate a peace. <laughs> and it's a comedy. It's very funny, but it's sort of the war against the sexes and then stories of the war against each other. But the same idea was the idea of incentives, because the most powerful political weapon we have is shunning. And the most powerful shunning is intimate, which is I don't find you attractive. And this came up because we were discussing last week in a number of different formats, um, you know, is cash sexy or is cash old? Is digital sexy or is digital, you know, dangerous? And so we decided, okay, it's time for cash to be sexy. And we asked Jeremy Nell, our wonderful cartoonist, if he would make a cartoon related to, you know, the idea that if you're building the CBDCs and the control grid, you know, we don't want to know you. We don't want to have dinner with you. We don't want to date you. So let's turn off the sex to the guys building the CBDC control grid. So here's the cartoon to a couple at an intimate dinner. And the man says, I'll be paying with CBDC. And the woman says, not cash. And he says, no. And then she says that I think it's time we see other bankers. <laughs> so... Uh, you know, so who's going to get the girls? Is it going to be the, you know, the big city banker? Is it going to be the community banker? Right? Right. So now we tell our children when they're dating, um, not only do they have to love Jesus and uh, not be sort of wary of vaccines, not like vaccines, they have to pay in cash or the date is over. Right. I, I, you know, this is what it comes down to. Are you going to support... So support is, you know, with everything. Are you going to support with your financing, with your purchases, with your attention, with your dating, with your social life? Are you going to support the people who are turning our homes into prisons, our cars into prisons, who are who are basically converting us to slavery? Are you going to support the people doing that? Are you going to treat them as though they're socially acceptable? You know, for my almost my entire lifetime, the people who are destroying our government and our human rights have always been held out to me as being fashionable and successful. So we're talking about boycotting as well, really, aren't we? This is the right of the matter. Yeah, this is the heart of the matter of shunning. This is how shunning works. And shunning is historically an unbelievably successful political tool. So it started, uh, I think it was back in Ireland, there was a colonel whose name was Boycott, um, who who was part of throwing uh, uh, tenants off land. It was during one of the famines in Ireland. And that's how the, the word boycott came around, because Charles Purnell organized uh, shunning and, and a refusal of anybody to rent a farm that had been taken from somebody or, you know, that people had been thrown off of. It's an amazing, amazing story. But historically, shunning truly works. Okay, well, I've got to shun tractor supply now. Uh, we used to love tractor supply, <laughs> but it's time for it to go. I've been hearing some very, very disturbing things about tractor supply. So that's next on my list. Um, fine, we'll deal with it, everybody. we got to just do it. We've just got to stand firm. If someone's doing something that's not on our agenda, we say no. All right, right. let's... 
can we bring up the Solaria report, pro- productivity, prosperity, and the popsicle index? Let's talk about that. Uh, what does that mean? I mean, building trust between people, places, right. so and was, money. So when I was assistant secretary of housing, I kept being lobbied by the mortgage bankers and the home builders and the real estate brokers to do things that made their stock go up. And I realized nobody was lobbying me to make communities wonderful. And so I came up with, you know, so everybody had the Dow Jones index as their performance indicator. So I came up with an alternative for community well-being called the Popsicle Index. So let me explain what it is. The Popsicle Index is the percentage of people who believe a child can leave their home, go to the nearest place to buy a Popsicle, and come home alone safely. So in many neighborhoods in America, the Popsicle Index used to be 100%, and the Dow Jones has gone up, 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 but the Popsicle Index in, in many places has gone down. So in my old neighborhood, it you know, it just slid down the whole time I was living there as a child. So, so, you know, what I, what Carolyn and I spent a lot of time in the nineties working on is how you re-engineer the financial system so you can make money in the stock market by getting the popsicle index to go up. In other words, how you, you rebalance the financial system so that the well-being of living, you know, people in places and communities is in alignment with the Dow Jones. You have a win-win relationship instead of a win-lose relationship. So I wrote an article, that's the one you just uh, pulled up, about what can a woman do to help the Popsicle Index go up. And it's all about, are you supporting and admiring and chasing after men who make the Popsicle Index go up or the Popsicle Index go down? And what I found in my life is most women preferred and admired men who, who made money getting the popsicle index to go down. So, you know, if, if we're all chasing after and supporting Tony Soprano, guess what's going to happen to our neighborhoods? So, uh, you know, we, we've gone through a period where corruption is, is considered sexy and righteousness is considered unattractive. And of course, guess what? You know, in a world where we think organized crime is sexy, guess what's going to happen? So what I was saying in the article, women have a lot of power to influence, you know, things depending on what they decide is sexy versus not sexy. You know, so, even even questioning, even questioning the the men in one's life who have certain amount of power and, you know, just generally, oh, I'm a tech guy or, oh, I run a company and, you know, asking quite some detailed questions and educating ourselves on how the money works and then asking questions on on the ground about you know of our bankers of you know the fact is that things are not so run by men but a lot of it is still well but let me oriented. um can we go back now because we didn't do I want to hear more about your promoting women you've got part 1 up what tell us what that's about on Solari Do you know, Karen, we've lost Catherine. Do you know about that? I went back and read it recently. I, I mean, I know that you have to watch out. You know, Hillary Clinton's new initiative with the Clinton, I guess, <laughs> foundation or something, is talking about women in India. And I'm always suspicious about 
the women centered things, not because I, I think there's any issue with, you know, wanting important, really bright, talented women to be involved in everything. But when a lot of times, you know, we've got women who, uh, you know, Christine Lagarde comes to mind. We've got women who are, um, promoted as, the idea is that they're promoting family friendly and people friendly things because they're women. And these particular women, Hillary Clinton coming to mind, are definitely not the embodiment of family and, uh, serving the community. You know, they're, it's almost like they're plants and, and there's so many, so many instances of, you know, first woman this, first woman that. And it also happens in the, in the context of, uh, African Americans and, um, Hispanic people in this country. The, we hold up people as, in theory, representing the, the populace, the people, the, the ones who want to serve communities. And sometimes those people are not. So we, if we really think we're a meritocracy, we need to look at people beyond just the group that they represent. Right. Catherine, if you're back, we're talking about promoting women part one. Promoting women what? Your part one on Solari, promoting uh, women. So uh, this was a series I did because I was so tired of seeing the effort to divide and conquer women. Because I'm convinced one of the most important things we need to create real solutions is to stop the divide and conquer of women against men, men against women. It's so destructive. And so many of the other divide and conquerors depend on the men and women divide and conquer. So I write, uh, I wrote, I think it's like a nine or 10 part series where I write the whole sort of essence of what I've learned about how they do the divide and conquer and how powerful it could be if we could turn that around and refuse to let them turn men and women against each other. And it's, it's a pretty, you know, there's a lot of serious material in series, but there's a lot of really funny stuff on the series, including my favorite quote from that wonderful woman, Hillary Clinton. (laughs) Did you see the quote? I sent it to you this week, Polly. Did you see it? She, she had a hissy fit because her staff, booked her into a 4-H club and she went nuts because she said, what the F are we here for? There's no money yeah. here. <laughs> Unbelievable. She's not a very pleasant a character at all. Uh, talking of Hillary Clinton, let's pull up um, that it's uh, time to ban cash to fight climate change. So they wheeled her out. She hasn't been around. I haven't seen her around for a bit. They wheeled her out and on the cash, banning cash um, situation and of course climate money they are allowing cash but you have to sort of throw it into a thing uh, the, the little coins what is that Guys. i've never used one of these one of my subscribers sent it because they were in brussels and they couldn't use cash they had to use the cash machine i've never used one nor would i ever but the point <laughs> is that these things are popping up everywhere we're getting reports of people you know use your qr codes to get into food stores we're getting these these 15 minute cities are already right, but, in America. But here's the thing. This is a war. This is a war. OK. And and our enemy wants to kill cash. And that's what they're trying to do. And so we're pushing back. So I just told you the story I was driving. I'm driving to Switzerland with my partner. And apparently there's a local hardware store that's part of a big German chain. 
they took out all the cashiers except for one line and put in the automatic checkout. No one would use it. You long, long lines on the one cashier, the one cashier under huge stress. And finally, apparently this week, they told my partner they're getting rid of the automatic checkout and bringing back all the cashiers because the customers won't tolerate it. It's not working. And that is a perfect example of the people rising up. Simple. We can all do that. Carolyn and I were talking about, we just, if it says card only on one of those, we don't go. We, and I always go to a cashier. I don't go to those weird things that are watching you self. What are they called? When you do it yourself. Right. The the self checkout. Yeah. Don't do that. But that's even, you know, on the highway when you're paying tolls, pay cash, get in the cash line. Do you not have 10 minutes or five minutes extra? to get in the long line and let them see that we want to be able to pay in cash. Well, I have, these, these machines are converting your cash into digital, digital money. And also we've all been taught, well, most of us have been taught, you know, as growing up, you know, be polite, do, you know, don't make trouble, obey, all that kind of nonsense. Now's the time to actually forget all that that you've been taught to and stand firm. <laughs> I had to stand firm in a store that they said, well, we only have these, you know, people-less checkouts. I said, well, then I will not be buying all of this stuff that I've spent ages getting. I will not be buying any of that. And eventually they went and got a cashier, but they were stroppy with me. They didn't like me. You could tell. Uh, but I got, a, you know, I got there. I got there in the end. And and that's what we all have to do. And the more of us that do that, Catherine's just told you the story. Well, they will get, they will give in because otherwise they're not going to get any money. So, all right. Uh, any last words, Catherine and Carolyn? Can you even see me? Because I know I'm frozen on the screen. We're all frozen. We're not having a very good day, as Billy would say, live this morning. But, you know, Maybe, you know, our our our. Uh, I don't think we've mentioned this. Our recording last week wasn't it? Last week of Congresswoman Mace grilling the Twitter people. We tried to play it, and the the. Uh, broadcast was taken down. So you wouldn't know this if you were not watching live. But the people who were watching live lost the broadcast about 30 minutes in. And Sawyer, thank what a saint, our Saint Sawyer put the whole thing back together for the archived version. But they, whoever they is, the powers that be took it down. So, you know, I don't know whether they don't like us talking about sex or what. Yeah, well, the moral of the story is that Nancy Mays video is rocketing everywhere and it's well worth watching. It's Congresswoman Mays from South Carolina grilling the Twitter executives and it's, it's not to be missed. It's fantastic. We showed it on Money and Markets again this week. Well, now look, okay. Well, Catherine, have wonderful travels. Um, Karen, I'll see you next week. I'm going to the next steps conference in Atlanta. I'll be there. So hopefully I have a good reception. Otherwise, be prepared to be solo. No, I'm kidding. I'll be there. Don't worry. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Okay. Uh, so everyone who's listening, stand firm. Do not settle. Pray big. Remember how much you're immensely loved. And we will see you on Financial Rebellion next week. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you, Carolyn. Thanks. Bye. Bye.